Good morning, One Church. Special good morning to you if you were in my tug of war team on Monday. I hope you've reveled in your victory over the last few days. Haven't heard a lot from Dave Kaysen this week. I think he's been uh, in the gym preparing for next year. Anyway, this morning's topic is humility and victory. Uh, that would be disingenuous, wouldn't it? It's not. <clears throat> so in, in three weeks' time, we're going to be starting a new preaching series on the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, I'd encourage you over the next few weeks to maybe read through that book. It's in the Old Testament. Um, you find it between Proverbs and, and Songs of Songs. Um, it's only 11 chapters, so it doesn't take too long to read through. So maybe do that over the next few weeks. But we, we've got a few free topics between now and then. And I wanted to spend a few minutes this morning speaking about uh, something that God's put on my heart over the last few weeks. And, and that is how we deal with periods of confusion in our life. And in the Bible, we find plenty of examples of confused people. We find confused people who manage to get themselves out of their confusion. And we find confused people that don't manage to get themselves out of their confusion, which is all quite confusing, really, isn't it? Um, but we've been talking in recent weeks about untapping our potential and, and living in the fullness of what God has put in our hand. And, and for me, confusion is one of the biggest blockers to fulfilling our potential. I heard someone preach uh, a little while ago, and he said about confusion, he said, if not dealt with, confusion can distract, can distort, and can deplete us. And I thought he was spot on. Because confusion can, can steal our attention away from things that are important. It can blur the lines between what's true and what is false. And it can, it can steal resource away from us, like utility and capacity. And it's interesting that many of the kings in the Old Testament struggled with periods of confusion, despite the fact they had access to all the resources they could possibly want, despite the fact they were surrounded by people who would give them counsel, many of them found themselves in periods of real confusion. King Saul was, was God's anointed man to be king of Israel. And, um, and for a period, he, uh, he lived in accordance with God's law. He trusted God. He trusted the, the prophet Samuel that God had brought alongside him, give him wise counsel. Uh, and for a period, he was really successful against the, the rising power of the Philistine army. But at some point in his reign, he got confused and he started to ignore the wise counsel of Samuel. He started to go against God. He started to hate David, who was a man God had brought alongside him to help Israel be successful. And then it all started to unravel. And then David succeeded him, and we're told that David was a man after God's own heart. So intimate was his relationship with God. And he was blessed with everything. He had power, he had wealth, he had military success. He was even good-looking, apparently. Hate that guy. He had it all. And yet even he got confused and at some point became a murderer. At some point stole another man's wife. Like this confusion set in. And then his son Solomon succeeded him as king. And he's commonly known as the, the wise king because he sought after wisdom more than anything else. And, uh, and God gave him the blank check question. What, what can I do for you? Name it and I'll give it to you. And Solomon asked for wisdom to lead his people well above all else. And even he got confused at the end of his reign and turned his back on God. So none of us are immune to confusion. None of us should be surprised when periods of confusion arise in our life. But one thing that's really important is that we recognize that confusion doesn't come from God. And the Bible is quite clear about that. In 1 Corinthians 14, we read, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. 
So whilst God can work in us during periods of confusion, whilst God can bring good from periods of confusion in our life, he's not the sender of it. And it's important that we know that. And it's important that we know that how we prepare ourselves for periods of confusion that will no doubt come will largely dictate how well we navigate through those seasons in our life. And that's what I want to spend a few minutes looking at this morning. And we're going to look at a passage in, in Genesis 4, which is the first book in the Bible. Um, the Hebrew word Genesis is, is better sheet, which literally means in the beginning. And in the beginning, after God had created night and day and created the seas and the land and the birds in the air and the animals of the land, he created man and woman in Adam and Eve. And we read that they're born into this perfect paradise. They want for nothing. They have everything they could possibly desire. But they also get confused and they disobeyed God and they were banished from the garden. And, and that's where we're going to pick up in Genesis 4. We're going to read chapters one, uh, verses 1 to 12 of chapter 4. And from this, I just want to pull out three observations that I think can help us bring clarity in times of confusion. So the text says this. It says, Adam made love to his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain bought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also bought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crop for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And so we understand from the next chapter that Adam and Eve had, had many children, actually, but we assume that Cain and Abel were the first. Um, they were definitely the first sons. Um, some scholars believe they may even have been twin, uh, twins, with, with Cain born first and Abel just after. But, but what we know for sure is that Cain is the older brother, Abel is the younger brother, and they're the first two sons of Adam and Eve. And, and the first thing that I think we learn from this text in terms of what we can do to prepare for times of confusion and bring clarity in times of confusion is to set realistic expectations. Set realistic expectations. And the context for that is that Cain is the older brother, which means he was the heir, and in biblical times, that was a real privilege to be the heir. Um, I'm the heir in my family. I'm the oldest of four brothers. And I can tell you it's no privilege anymore. I got constantly berated for you know, being a bad example to my brothers. I got blamed for everything growing up. And as you get older, it turns out you just have to buy the beers all the time as well as the older brother. So it's no privilege anymore. But, but Cain at the time, we could probably forgive him for thinking there should be some benefit for him in being the older brother. Because in society, that was the case. And there's no fair way to dress it up, really. But the oldest son was special in a family in biblical times. 
Um, the first son was, was sacred. They were, they were honored in a different way to children that came after that. Um, they would obviously take over the role of leading the family if anything happened to the father. They generally got a double portion of the inheritance from, from their parents as well. The, the Israel, uh, Israel in the Bible is referred to as God's firstborn, meaning that there was something special and sacred about the nation. Um, and, and we see from Eve's response when the baby's born, she says, with the help of God, I've brought forth a man. There's real significance in her celebration because she believes she's given birth to the future of her family line in that moment. And so that's a lot of expectation to live in for, for everybody concerned, but, but none more than Cain. He's, he's grown up with this expectation that things are going to be better for him than they are for others. But despite all of that, being a firstborn wasn't a guarantee for success. And actually, you could, you could lose your firstborn rights. We see later in Genesis, you could even sell your firstborn rights with Esau selling his for a bowl of stew. So it feels like Cain here has grown up expecting that he's going to be successful, expecting that he's going to be the most blessed, expecting that he's going to be the most special. And yet here he is bringing his offering to the Lord and it's being rejected. And his younger brother Abel is bringing his and it's being accepted. And we don't get explicit narrative in the text around why that is, but we do maybe get a clue. And the clue, I think, is in the distinction that we're told what Abel bought were the, the, the fat portions of the firstborn of his flock. So there it is again, the firstborn, the most sacred, the most valuable part of what he had, he bought before the Lord. With Cain, we're simply told that he brings some of his fruits from the soil. So there's a bit of speculation there, but perhaps what we should read into that is that Cain didn't place the same value on what he gave to God than his brother Abel did. But regardless of whether that is explicitly true or not, what we can safely assume is that there's something in the character of Cain here that isn't in line with what God wants when he brings that offering. And so whilst he's anxious to live in his birthright, whilst he feels he deserves to live in the blessing of his birthright, currently his character isn't aligned in a way that's allowing him to live in that potential. And it's this seemingly unmet expectation that is the root of Cain's problems. It ends up becoming a chronic level of confusion in his life. And the lesson for us is when we're confused, when we're not sure what's going on, and we're not sure why certain things are happening to us, we have to sense check, are we setting our expectation in the right place? Is what we're actually hoping is going to happen in this season a sensible expectation? You know, when someone starts building a business, the general advice is don't expect to make any money for the first few years. That's what people say. Because if you set out to build a business and you expect to be the next Elon Musk, then you're almost definitely going to end up disappointed and confused. And I challenge you today, if you're in a place where you're confused, where you're struggling with something, where there's no clarity in a situation that you're dealing with, I'd ask you to sense check, is what I've expected in this season of my life really sensible and realistic? Have I just assumed that I'm going to be successful in something? Have I just assumed that God's going to do something that isn't necessarily guaranteed? And maybe I've been holding out for that, and that's causing confusion. Maybe we're trying to rush something through in our lives that we're desperate to happen, but maybe the timing isn't quite right yet. Maybe we're trying to force through a relationship or a house move or a career move or something else, and we're confused as to why it's not all coming together in the way we'd hoped. But actually, the timing maybe isn't just quite right yet. And God might just be working on us in that period of confusion. He might just be working on our characters and readying us for what's to come. 
Because Cain clearly didn't appreciate this fact. But in this point, his character was not set up to live in the fullness of what his potential was as the heir in his family. God needed to do work in him. God needed to work on his character and he needed time and he needed submission from Cain to get there. It wasn't that God couldn't do the work. I believe Cain had every potential to live in the way that he was called to live and the way that he'd been born to live. But because he didn't allow the time, because he didn't submit to God, it never happened. And when we set realistic expectation, we're far less often confused by what's going on around us. So that's the first thing. The second thing I think we have to do in these periods of confusion in our life is seek out wise counsel. And that sounds really obvious, and I think it's something that we probably all assume is good for us. Um, But I dare say many of us probably don't do it. And God himself gives Cain wise counsel in this chapter, which is duly ignored. He says, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do the right thing, will you not be accepted? And again, there's a, there's a degree of speculation involved here, but I think we can probably assume that Cain isn't a man who's seeking out wise counsel in his life. When you look at the decisions that he's making, firstly, he's obviously doing something incorrect in his offering that he's bringing to God. Then he murders his brother. Then he lies to God about murdering his brother. It's a series of bad decisions that suggest he hasn't got wise counsel around him. And again, the challenge for us is, where do we get the input into our lives from? Do we have people who are experienced in an area that we are not? Do we have people that are men and women of God who can speak into our life, who are prayers and who really want the best for us, not just physically, but spiritually? Are they the people we go to when we need input in times of confusion? Do we go into the, the huge, unlimited resource of the Bible that's just jam-packed full of wise counsel for our life? Is that the place we go to when we're confused, or do we go to other places? Do we go to Instagram? Do we go to TikTok? Do we go to influencers for advice on how we should live? You know, I've talked from this platform in the past about my, my love-hate relationship with a game of golf. And sometimes if I'm having a bad week, which is most weeks on the golf course, I might turn to YouTube for some advice. And I'm not joking when I say I could watch five YouTube videos about a golf swing and hear 10 things that are massively unhelpful for me and then go away and get even worse and even more confused. What I should really do is seek out someone who actually knows, someone who actually knows me, someone who cares for me, wants to see me move forwards and is going to invest real time and energy into my specific situation. And that's what we need to do in our lives and in our faith, is have wise counsel around us that is really life-changing and impactful for us. And so that's our second challenge is, where does that input come from in our lives and are we proactively seeking wise counsel? And then when it comes to confusion, these confusing times in our life, the third thing that I think we learn from the text that is absolutely critical is we have to learn how to rule over ourselves. God says to Cain in this passage, he says, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And how right he was, because we all know what Cain did next. But that sinful act of of murdering his brother was basically the result of a, a heart attitude that had been allowed to fester for too long. This heart attitude of feeling unfairly done by, feeling like you'd been let down, that had festered in a way that had become poisonous in Cain before the point where 
the really dramatic happens and he murders his brother. There's a phrase that I, I sometimes say in our house, which my wife absolutely hates, which is, we can choose our attitude. And I know why she hates it, because she wants to feel what she's feeling in that moment. And I'm sure there are some other wives in the, in the building that might empathize with that. You know, there's, a, there's a response that we want to have to a situation. And sometimes my wife's response is perfectly justified. So we, um, we sometimes do HelloFresh. I don't know if anyone in the room does HelloFresh, where you order these kind of ready-made meals that you then chuck the ingredients together and you, and you make them. And I'm in charge of handling our HelloFresh account. And um, th- let's just say there are weeks where my wife has done a weekly shop for the whole week, and I've forgotten that HelloFresh is coming as well, and so we end up with 10 meals for five days. And I say, look, we just need to choose our attitude here. We've now got two choices every day. <laughs> for what we want to eat. Um, So I understand why she hates that phrase, and and me being really annoying doesn't take away the fact that there is some truth in it. And when something happens in our life, we we actually have an ability to choose how we're going to respond to that thing, whether we like it or not. We do have a choice. When someone unfairly treats us, we can choose to be bitter and angry about that thing, or we can choose to give them the benefit of the doubt and accept that it probably wasn't intentional. There's a choice involved. When someone betrays us, we can choose to focus and obsess over the fact we've been betrayed, or we can choose to to focus on the fact that we all fall short and extend some grace that we might desperately need ourselves at some point in the future. That's a choice in terms of that mindset. And when we're lost and when we're confused and when we're not quite sure what's going on in our lives, we have choices to make in terms of how we think and how we allow our brain to work. Instead of being of a mindset that God has let me down here, or God is not doing the thing I need him to do, or he's forgotten about me, or I've been unfairly treated, we can choose to focus on what the Bible says is truth, which is that God is faithful, and which is that he is for us, and he's not against us, and his plans are to prosper us, and to give us hope and future. We can make conscious decisions to focus on that. We can rule over the thoughts in our mind and move ourselves towards that place. So three things that help us find clarity in confusion. Setting realistic expectations, seeking wise counsel, and ruling over our negative thoughts. I wonder if the band could just come back and, and play quietly for a minute or so. You know, that, that first thing is pretty actionable on our own when it comes to expectation setting. That's something that we can do on our own. We can figure out whether the thing we're expecting is, is really genuinely sensible or not. We can probably, to a degree, handle that ourselves. But the second one we cannot handle on our own because it requires us to allow someone to come alongside us and speak wisdom into our life. And the third one we definitely can't do on our own because to come to a place where we can effectively control you know, to a degree, the thoughts in our mind and rule over the negativity that might want to press in, we need the help of God's Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural thing to be able to do that effectively. And we need the help of God and his Holy Spirit. And perhaps today you'd like to, to chat with someone. And we have a prayer team, as, as you'll know if you come here regularly, that are down here at the front and would love, to, would love to speak wisdom over you. Would love to pray with you that God would strengthen you in that area of your life to really choose the way that you're going to perceive the situation. And you might feel more comfortable maybe chatting with someone you came with or chatting with someone else in the room that you know and you trust, and that's totally fine. But in a minute, we're going to create a little bit of space for for you to do that and to respond how you feel you should respond. But I really felt this morning there might be people here, there might be people listening online that feel like you are in a place of confusion in your life. 
and you don't know what the answers are, but you're also not sure God is the answer. Maybe you don't believe he can help. Maybe you've never given God the time of day in your life and so you believe even if he could help, why would he want to? Because what have you ever done for him? And if that's you, I want to leave you with a relatively simple thing to think about over the course of the next few days. And that is, what in your life is totally unchanging and constant? Because in times of confusion, what we need are anchors, that we know our truth and that we know are steady. And I would ask you, what are those things in your life right now? And you might say my friends, you might say my family, you might say my job, but the reality is none of those things are completely constant and unwavering and unmoving. And I come from an amazing family. I'm really blessed. I have an incredible family, but they're not perfect. And just like me, they're susceptible to times of weakness and to mistakes and all the sorts of things that we all are. So even for me in the most, I think, privileged of family environments, there's not complete reliability and unwaveringness there. And so I'd ask you, where does that come from, in your, come from in your life? Because that is what we need when we're confused. We need to know that something remains constant even when we're all over the place. Something doesn't move even when everything else feels like it's moving. And if, and it might be a big if for you, but if we just take the Bible at its word for a second this morning and assume that it's true, then it teaches us God is that thing. He's the same yesterday, he's the same today, He is the same forever. And nothing else in life is. You know, I, I, had a, I had a health checkup recently and um, it was interesting because they found a few kind of imbalances in my vitamins, which was helpful. So I'm on some supplements for that stuff. And there were a few other things there. But the, one of the other major things that came away was I don't drink enough water. <laughs> I actually ran off to the loo before I came up to preach, you might have seen, because I've started drinking loads of water this week. Um, and the thing is, I can take every supplement in the world. I can exercise as much as I want. I can eat good food. I can do all of that stuff. But if I don't drink enough water, then the fundamentals of how my body work won't be there. And we can do everything in life to try and get out of confusing situations. We can watch every YouTube video. We could talk to every friend we've got. We could get the advice from every family member. But without God as that anchor point that does not move, we're going to really struggle to find clarity in that confusion. And so if that's you this morning and you just feel like you want to talk to someone about that, then we'd love to do it. I'd love to talk to you. I know Marcus would love to talk to you. Any of our prayer team would. Anyone you came with would. So just don't leave without having that conversation with somebody this morning. We all get confused from time to time. None of us are immune. Even the kings of old struggled with confusion. But it's important we know God is not the author of confusion. But he is the clarity in our confusion. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>